Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Here we go. Roll for ignition. Rise of the Red Throne. There once was a god who stood in the east. It jealously loved its creations and so it said they would always stand as a north star to all. And all on Zoroaster sparkled and prospered upon white shining beaches. They had jungles aplenty with game day and night. They say that the people who dwelt there were happy. They say that they lived their lives simple and fair. And yet one day, a bitter wind rose from the west as the god's siblings took annoyance with its dotings. And thus they took the poor folk by surprise unaware. For the god's sin and pride, ruin was risen in a thunderous fury. A ravenous shadow fell upon the land and still the god fought for its creation. This angered its family and they went so far as to seal the god away in a vessel of crystal and stone. But despite the suddenly storm, God would not forget its promise or its beloved. Instead of freeing itself with what little power it had, God gave to his children and fell into the permanency of its prison's black gullet. For what should have been a temporary punishment, so it became permanent, and the God's family fell into misery. They blamed its people and made war upon them. The waves ran with blood on the Rastar, and the land was made to be no more. Despite valiant efforts, God's people were annihilated, all save for one. The one who unlocked a secret power the God had laid before its people. Wielding crystalline stone, magic and might, Mag Dereju turned the gods away from his land. But in the end, he was alone, and the throne had turned red. God's power did not come without a price, however, 
for it imprisoned Mag Deju to the land. And over the centuries, his mind broke from the wax of loneliness. But he had discovered undeath and the power of duplicity in that time. Thousands of years later, bent with mad vengeance, power, and a race of duplicated people, the Mag Daju, the Lich King, finds his prison finally weakening. Words written from Tonton. All right, guys, welcome to this lore and Q&A episode. We hope you enjoyed the lore and getting to learn a little bit more about Zarastin and the Red Throne. Um, as for today's Q&A segment, uh, I think we have everyone here. And so this is probably going to be us actually just asking Sam slash Clive Jensen anything and everything, grilling him for the next 45 <laughs> minutes. What do you guys think? <laughs> Mm. Yeah, because he hasn't been here in oh, so long. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, but I'm sure okay. we've got plenty of questions for Atlas and Ray too. I mean, those, those episodes are kind of kind of crazy. I mean, Atlas went on a date. I went on an outing, not a date. But... I was there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. It was an outing. I Atlas had needed a date. And if if I remember correctly, Ray yeah. also has a date coming up too, huh? Okay. You gave her That's your jacket. Thing to do. It's like a gentleman thing yeah. to do. <laughs> oh no, that's something that you do for I think, someone. That's, I think she's just trying to with. deflect because yeah, she's not ready for her date. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Ray's date when we recorded no. it was not awkward at all. It was great. Yeah, I can't no. wait. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I was such a smooth yeah, Ray's talker. Specialty. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you. <laughs> you became Ray, and I was like. <laughs> whoa this is so awkward like i can't believe i'm married to this person but i'm on the flip side but as of this Sorry, jacket yeah. off and he didn't have any i mean that's just, that's just atlas <laughs> so that's that's but i think that works that's... considering the location we're in yeah he was, he was not just getting into the atmosphere in like the area <laughs> you got to go downstairs okay. for those specialties <laughs> Wait, I thought like the booths that had the red yeah. light. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's there's definitely some shirtless men in those booths. Don't don't you worry. I do apologize though, Atlas, for making your date sick. That, what? That, no, uh, it wasn't. Uh, I guess it wasn't a date. So, <laughs> you guys are good. It's an outing. It was it an encounter? It's an outing with friends. It, it, it was an outing. <laughs> for the right. Okay, it was an outing that turned. All right. Into well, for everyone out there, supposedly putting your jacket on somebody and. We'll make it a date. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It Hell sounds yeah, like, it does. It sounds like he's getting a little defensive. What do you think? I think so, too. Uh, yeah. People get it almost makes, it, almost makes it seem about. more like a date. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Normally we um, spend some time just we've been spending some time chatting, but uh, we're kind of on a time crunch here, so we should probably just jump into the Q and A this time. Let's do it. All right. Who's up first? Um, I have a question for Ray and sort of Atlas. Um, so when we met Ray, she was very standoffish to the group. 
but now it's starting to seem like she's kind of warming up to us a little bit, but a little more towards Atlas. Um, so, Courtney, would you say that Ray kind of maybe looks up to Atlas sort of as a <laughs> fatherly figure or, <laughs> you know, something along those lines? I wouldn't say a father figure necessarily, but more like the leader of the group. Um, he's made very clear he's the one in charge. Um, and so I think mm. she looks at him as like, okay, what are we doing now? What's next? And she, I feel like we've seen recently, like she definitely has that like ability to be the cold blood killer she has to be sometimes, but she's also really immature um, and really young still and still hasn't figured out like, how do you interact with people in ways that aren't weird? Um, and so I think she's looking to Alice's leadership um, for like how to interact in the world because he's positioned himself as a leader. Um, which, yeah. Yeah. You also told me as a, as Courtney, not Ray, that you were excited to um one aspect that you're excited about McKenna not being around is that you got to kind of sit in the background mm -hmm. a little bit. Um why why are you excited about that? Like what's kind of appealing to you? Yeah, I think what's a couple things. A, I'm naturally someone who just talks a lot and like am typically the one kind of taking up a lot of mental space um these days a lot of physical space um but the the um i and so it's a challenge for me to know like when does someone who's an introvert and fairly awkward in the world not that i'm not awkward sometimes but like how do they interact in the world um so it's been like an interesting personality shift if you will um yeah and that mckenna felt like very like me um ray feels very unlike me and i also love the opportunity it gives for like atlas to like step up and lead and for clive to step up more and so um yeah mm -hmm. yeah good question Atlas, I feel like I always like to check in on you in terms of like every time we do these one of these Q and A's, there's been like more of an opportunity for you to lead. And so I feel like parallel to Sam's question, um, it seems like now you're like definitely leading this crew. Um <laughs> and, and like I think you that's in like in Slauson's eyes, that's in the boss mother's eyes. Like, how are you feeling about that responsibility? Um, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be a... I think the only reason, too, Alice kind of set into the leadership role, in a sense, is that it's kind of... We're dealing with the um, Acers right now, so it's kind of like his um, realm, in a sense, or his kind of world he's lived in. And then, obviously, I'm assuming, rank-wise, I think Alice is above Al uh, Clive and ray right now in the acers so i think like just because we're doing the like we're doing like right. a lot of well recently we've been doing like acer missions and stuff so i feel as if that's the reason alice kind of stepped into that role um but 
other than that, I don't think he really... I mean, obviously, his big thing and his, like, his kind of moral code, in a sense, is just to make sure that his squad or his uh, buddies or whatnot basically come out of it. Um, that's also another reason, too, is that he doesn't like that responsibility, in a sense, because that's why he's always worked mostly solo. Because its thing is, is that people die easily, so he kind of just doesn't like the that like burden in the sense. For you, Nathan, though, m- making some of the bigger decisions. Not that it's been super big decisions, but uh, making some decisions for the group. Does that <laughs> make you nervous that you're gonna get everyone killed? Okay, well, yeah, but so there's there has to be like a there's like <laughs> so there's like. <laughs> there's like so, an evil smile uh, on his face. So there's like he's a, there has to be like, there's like a middle ground. So obviously Alice is Atlas. That's kind of runs into the whole thing about wanting to work solo normally, and people die too easily. He's like, and like some of his actions or his decisions, he's fine with and knows that for the most part he'll be able to take care of it, be able to take care of it. But then, mm-hmm. let's say the group. That's, oops, sorry. Dogs are bucking. Uh, let's say the group basically decides that, or like they, we get into it and then they get one shot or <laughs> something takes them out. It's like, he doesn't really think about like how, um, how some people have a lot less vitality than him, let's say. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Our d and teams are obviously like health or defenses in a sense to be able to resist things, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, Alice kind of, he doesn't, th- I mean, he's wise in the sense of he's had a lot of experience, but he's not really intelligent on, like, oh, maybe we should do this, like, real tactically, or, um, depending on the situation, obviously, if his life's in danger, then yeah, but, um, he doesn't really think of, like, oh, I have other groups, maybe they can be sneaky or do something, he just barge in kind of thing. Also, his pride's an issue, because that's another thing, is, like, he has too much pride. (laughs) Okay. Amen. Yeah, he has too much pride, so. That kind of gets in the way. Which which is funny, because he's, like, constantly, not constantly, but he's definitely chastised. Well, yeah, because it it goes against his, right? So, like, if they have, like, so that's... (laughs) so like that's the it's like that thing it's like you get these two like macho dudes in a room right and they both have either anger issues can't control their temper a little immature and they like they're butting heads just because not that they don't like each other not that they're like they have something against each other in a sense other than who's gonna be like the top man kind of thing who's gonna be the best in a sense like who's stronger that okay, was no, that the guy, fight you no, had that guy with Jim. Provoked Atlas. Okay, that's that completely different. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, like one small thing that the average <laughs> Joe would have walked away from had they not been prideful. You also made Atlas scoot. <laughs> oh, we're talking about that one. <laughs> that. That so, was like a totally different. That's scene. called testosterone. <laughs> yeah, he was he, already in a bad. Yeah, he was he was already in a bad <laughs> mood. The guy provoked him. I can't remember if I actually gave him a warning or not, to be honest. But um, I don't know if Alice would. 
Alice would probably just provoke him back. I don't think he did. Actually, yeah, I think that is what happened. Because <laughs> it's like, because at that point, at that point, right, he, the guy provoked him. So Alice is going to measure his pride. Like if he has, if he has more pride and is stronger and can match it, then I mean, hey, <laughs> do what you got to do. And that's how the dominoes fall. Just one hey, little Alice, thing Alice after another. I, know. Is, I yeah. like to think that Alice is in his roots of, you know, the history of humans, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just speaking on my butt right now. But basically, it's like a caveman mentality, though. It's like, it's like, but I think back, like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, let's, we're in like a sci fi theme. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we're like, obviously, we're in a caveman like, sci fi thing, but in the same sense, it's like, throughout history, it's like whoever's stronger will basically take over, in a sense. Yeah. So that's, that's Atlas. Darwinism, is like, if, right? if you have the, if you want, like, if you're strong and humble about it, then Alice has no reason to like. Alice has no reason to headbutt and like do pride against pride in a sense, and then test that. But for example, um, the general, uh, why is it named? No, no, no. Well, Slauson's one Slauson. of them. Yeah. The it was in the very beginning. Where is name? I don't have my notes on him. Isaac, like, can you help me real quick? I'm trying to. It's the guy. He he he, he snuck. Uh, well, he snuck what, in on the what ship. What? He was part of uh this. So, oh, yeah. uh, he's, he's a part of the secret police. Yeah, yeah. See, was, uh, him? Phil Ilkhan. Yeah. Oh, For example, yeah. when we met him, I didn't challenge anything. Alice didn't want to challenge him because he, like, he understood that the man himself was just strong without him having to, like, dominate. Because as far as I could tell, like, throughout the conversation, he didn't seem like he was being cocky or whatever else. He just knew he was strong. Like. <laughs> okay, you brought up his name. So now it reminds me of Clive when you were in the library, right? Oh. You, I, I didn't like, Ray didn't see this. So this is just like Courtney hearing this, but you had heard or saw in a video, Phil Ilkhan, but it wasn't Phil Ilkhan, right? Like what, can you remind me what happened there? Um, it was still Ilkhan, but he was referred to as as something else. I don't remember what uh, what name he used because that was when they were um, that was back when they were raiding the um, Shrine Cross, and he was having the interview with the the reporters. But I, I can't. He went, he went by the name uh, Commander Graves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commander yeah. Graves. So okay, it's just fun to theorize. What was he doing there under a different name? And then what was he doing when we like met him? Like who is Phil Khan? Um well, I would imagine that he was using a different name because if he is part of some secret police organization, then probably using his real name isn't you know, isn't the best thing for him to do for his profession. Um, but after learning, I think Clive, after learning um, what he learned in the archives and what he learned back at the um, garden statue and just kind of a few of the things that have happened to him over time, mm -hmm. uh, Clive is starting to feel like that maybe Thil Ilkhan is um, keeping an eye on him. Um, which, on Clive specifically? Yeah. At least that's that's mm. Clive's thoughts on it. Because he just in seems a good like he, way or, um, or a bad way. 
that's to be determined. I mean, from based just based off what he learned and based off of um, the whole uh, morality conversation behind what the Shrine Cross were doing, and if it does end up being that you know Clive is was experimented on or was ends up being one of these you know Gola things, um, then I think in a bad way just because you know his whole thing was to root out the shrine cross and put a stop to their experiments um but at the same time he also hasn't um he hasn't confronted clive about anything so maybe he's just keep you know keeping a close eye just you know in case if again if clive is one of these things if in case he has one of those awakenings um just keeping a close eye on him just so he can to stop to anything that may or may not happen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Not a bad theory. <laughs> not a bad theory. I'm yeah. actually. I'm. And furthermore, like I feel like. Um, how do you feel about having a having or had a wife? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty intense. I won't you lie. Were I was. Man. Uh, I did kind of start getting emotional when I re-listened to it because it was just a very, very touching, a very touching thing. Um, and again, if, if it ends up being, you know, a, a past memory or, you know, one of those hidden memories or something like that, then the idea that um, he gave all of that up or something might have happened to her that triggered, you know, him uh going into battle with Horus or whatnot, it just kind of opens up a whole lot of, um, I guess, an- asks more questions than answers them. Um, but it does get me excited to kind of watch Clive's uh, story unfold a little bit more and um, just seeing kind of what how it fits into the whole rest of the story I'm really interested in. There are no mm-hmm. answers, only more questions. That's the disappointing finish. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, surprise see- me with you. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm, I'm excited, though, because it because um, Ray is more of a... Like, like you were saying earlier, how um, since you're no longer McKenna and you're no longer um, playing the forefront of the group a lot of the time, it gives me more of an opportunity to explore and develop Clive, um, which I'm pretty excited about because again, a lot of, a lot of Clive's backstory is, is, you know, what Isaac is coming up with. And so, um, it kind of puts me in a position where I have to dive more, I have to dive deeper into what I want Clive to be and who I want him to become. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Because um, it's not always easy for me to, you know, come up with backstories, and it's not always easy for me to, you know, perform on the spot like that. And um, being put in, for me, Sam as the, you know, player, being put in that kind of uh, position is going to make me think a little bit more about how or what I want uh, Clive to be uh, down the road. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um, well, let's talk about that for a second. If you were like, how with those things that you just said about it, be, that being like kind of more the difficult part for you in terms of like 
that development of character more in a role playing game. Um, is there any like anything you've learned or any advice you would give to any other players who maybe that's not their forte either? Uh, yeah, biggest. I think the biggest thing is just you know everybody starts in you know everybody that comes into D and D. Um, they start, everybody starts new. Um, you know, it's not, everybody doesn't have, you know, the, the performance skills and, um, a lot of people, you know, may or may not be confident in their storytelling. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is to just kind of go for it because mm -hmm. that's, that's the beauty of D and D is it can be anything and you're not going to make any mistakes down the road. It's just, and, um, so just don't be afraid to, you know, go after it. And, um, you know, if, if you, you know, you blunder a little bit or you, you, uh, get lost in the thought or, you know, you end up saying something or the character end up developing in a way that almost doesn't really make sense. Um, the beautiful thing about D and D is eventually it will all make sense because it, you know, it's everybody coming together to, uh, build a story. So, um, I think if, if I would have known more of that when we first started, I think Clive would have played a much bigger role in the beginning of the story. So now moving forward, I'm, um, I've been thinking a lot more about his backstory and I've been thinking a lot more about who I want him to become. And I'm excited that he's going to have more of a central role in the campaign moving forward. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you were going to give me like good life advice as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, Just well, do it. I haven't been around for a while, so... Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Okay, one more question for Clive. Um, you haven't been here in a long time, so we have a lot of questions. The islands that Slauson connected us to, you have a reason to go to. Is that accurate? Oh, you mean uh, it's not islands. It's the beaches. A, it's a beach. Beaches. Yeah. Don't you have a reason to go to those? Um. In a way, kind of. They were. It was mentioned in the dream that Clive had at the very end. Mm -hmm. um, but since he really doesn't know what these dreams about, or he doesn't know whether they're you know real memories or just some sort of you know uh, Sith synth glitch that he's having, he doesn't quite mm -hmm. understand why uh, why the beaches came up in the first place. Um, mm. But again, but he is obviously now curious because these dreams that he keeps having seem very real. And then the one thing that um, is connecting them all at the moment is Horus. And he knows for a fact that Horus was real because he was in the beginning of the campaign. So mm -hmm. I think um, if anything, I think the biggest thing that... Clive is is going to start pursuing now is maybe finding Horus and finding out why he keeps popping up and what you know connects all these dreams together, or all mm -hmm. these memories or whatever they end up may end up being. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how those different pieces of the puzzle connect at the end. Yeah, because right now he, I feel like he's he's putting a puzzle together, but keeps putting like the wrong pieces together. And it's really just, it's just not working out. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of puzzles, this is just a side story. For Christmas, I thought I got my mom, like, the greatest gift. Oh, and I was is... so excited. And that I got her 
a 9,000 piece puzzle. And I came into this thinking, oh my gosh, my mom loves puzzles. This is going to be great. And she thought it was a joke gift. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) It was very awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little awkward. Yeah. Sorry, it just reminded me of that. Hmm. I have a question okay. for yeah. Isaac real quick. Just on uh, oh, bring it. Um, Battlestar is a very technologically advanced kind of uh, area and city and mm-hmm. the Acers have a whole lot of you know they're pretty techno- technologically advanced group but as we got further up into the tower like the guards and everything started their weaponry and what and equipment became a little bit more archaic um, and i'm just curious on uh, why you decided to go that direction is to have that sort of contrast um well for them spe- for the group specifically and th- this has a lot to do with like what nathan and i talked about when we talked about um the the various acer families but the kashin really um they they're so steeped in like honor and tradition and duty that that I really wanted to like incorporate the, the tradition feel. Um, and I mean, it's also kind of an ode to what a lot of us grew up with, which is our, our love of, um, anime, you know, coming from Japanese culture. So there's a little bit of that chance to get to throw that in, which was awesome. Like, but I, I personally just felt that upwards in the tower it wouldn't all be that way but that there would be a significant amount of like things where like tradition would dictate it be done in a certain way that it is done in that way um i i also think that because of the location of etrilis keep or because of what etrilis keep is <laughs> which i'm not going to tell you what it is but <laughs> it is <laughs> You can, I, I don't know if you if I did a good job in explaining this or not, so I'll kind of explain it now. But a lot of a lot of the keep is very like stone metallic, very. Um, if it weren't for the people and the life in it, it wouldn't feel like it. It is a place that's hospitable to life. It would just feel kind of like a cold, empty machine almost. And I think that having like the traditional stuff further up would denote like. Um, tradition, but it would also denote richness in in culture um, and also in money. Um, and, and I also think too that the I think that the fam that the Acer family would would really value their this this culture and um, the Kashin didn't originally didn't originate on Ballastar. They ended up going there like eons ago and so a lot of like the the woodwork and the design is actually belongs to the inhabitants of the planet which are a variety of things but predominantly elves um most of which are actually extinct on that specific breed of elf to that planet there are like watered down versions of them so that yeah that's kind of the reason why 
but there's definitely uh, more technological stuff um, upwards as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy the atmosphere that you create. I've always enjoyed um, the contrast between the you know technology and um, archaic, you know, kind of uh, weaponry and all that good stuff. So I, I, I was just curious because it's it's something that really stuck out to me when I was when we were playing and when I was re-listening to the episode. That's awesome, actually. That that makes me feel really good about that. Um, it's so it's so interesting how those small details can like stand out to some people and then like i think back and i don't think i even noticed that once like i noticed like the people and like obviously crete um and like different things are like like the intensity of the guards but i would have never noticed like the the lack of of weaponry or like technology and so it's just it's interesting what different players pick up on Mm -hmm. yeah but i i do think like if you're a gm especially if you're a new gm having those little descriptions those nuances all come together to paint a really good picture and that is a very like you only need to say much just one sentence that's a very good way to elevate your game i think you know it's a very simple thing um which reminds me actually <laughs> back to Sam. You are all your character is always so excited about tea and food and now you've gone and bought some some uh mating juices and <laughs> <laughs> a cooking uh equipment. Are you going to take the <laughs> chef feet class like feet? Uh oh yeah, 100%. And I think it, it, <laughs> I think that part of it is just plays a, is just um, me personally coming through live because um, I, I personally have always just been a big foodie and I love cooking and love baking. So I think this is just a way for me to kind of put a little bit of myself into into Clive. Um, and then he's really, really excited to go learn from the tea shop that uh, we discovered that Ray's not going to do anything to. Ray's <laughs> going to accompany you to that tea shop to visit. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Because I, I some... think then she she might discover that her rat <laughs> disappears. And that would just be a oh, big shame. Wouldn't it? Which and brings then me you to... might discover that <laughs> you disappear, <laughs> which would be a big shame. Back, and then Atlas is like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you like, how do you explain that to Slauson that your your crewmates just decided to uh, kill each other? Oh no, no no, it won't be killing each other. It'll be that I killed you. <laughs> and then if you want to like try to get the rat ahead of time, that's fine, <laughs> but you won't be able to kill Ray. <laughs> Literally like every D&D player's dream is to have like the party just I'm telling you once Alice would win. This is just <laughs> this is just a front on thing. Alice would win. A hundred percent. Okay, hold on. I don't know Can I make one. one caveat to that? If Ray gets a good Andy, sneak attack. Well, but then you could say that with Atlas if he gets well, a good my big thing you know, with that is a like, good role or a good attack. Right. But it's it's yeah. the sneak well, attack my, with the assassin. If we're doing like a battle, uh, this is done. the only reason I say Alice wins. If we're doing like a battle royale 
Like, I'm even an arena fight. Say if it's even like one of those fancy ones that has like trees and forests and places to hide, right? Alice will win because he'll immediately rage, right? So he's gonna take half damage to whatever you do. But then he also, if you lay a trap, he has dangerous. This is the only reason I say it because then I'm being all meta. <laughs> is that if you he has because he has danger sense if you set up a trap he has advantage on saves so he can like there's a higher percent chance that he won't take the damage and then that's that's the only reason and then with atlas or with uh clive it's like same kind of thing like well if he shoots me with like a plasma thing i don't think i have the barbarians and barbarians and sci-fi have a little yeah what have a little I... weakness to the <laughs> other things but if, like the only thing else too is while he's raging i'll have a plus d8 to my ac at least to one attack per round so Alice is weirdly enough, I found out, I didn't think he was as defensive as he is. Like, the Path of the Beast is weirdly enough very defensive. With his tail, at least. I don't know. If you use claws or jaws, then no. But... Okay. Still oh, want to yeah. build on my caveat really quick. In the scenarios that were, like, people actually die. Yeah, yeah. Which is not in a ring. Or, like, Ray's yes. got you. And like, I'll just yeah. shoot you both before you oh! get close to me. Wait, 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 wait! Did this we hear no, that? I mean, this is Nathan saying it. She just like, just like, like Nathan saying it is like a class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, I don't care who's saying it, but like the mm -hmm. scenarios that people actually die are like rogue would 100%, walking down the street, especially at this level. Or... But most likely, with some good rolls, kill me. Yeah, because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be raging. It wouldn't technically be yeah, a trap, yeah. and it's not a spell. So yeah, yeah I would probably die. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We all heard that. So that was bed, in a, in a, that was a, is not a prolonged yeah. fight. No, no, no. Yeah. But if it's Ray's a prolonged never fight gonna or face to face, like, like if he, yeah. But Ray's never going to be in that position. Well, then I just have now to throw all my really, really far I, away. No, from I don't have first axe anymore. <laughs> I'll throw my G yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, yeah. How about that? Also, I can jump like thirty feet. I don't and think then I can um, run and then jump because of the new level six. I think. I can like jump super far. Oh, that's actually something I wanted to to actually get into real quick. Um, for all of you, is everyone leveled up? And so I was hoping if if you all got a chance, if um, you guys could maybe share like what your new HP is by chance, or uh, if you have that on hand, or if you don't, um, if you like know some of your new abilities that are coming that have come out of it. Okay, give me two seconds. I do not, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be <laughs> totally honest only, with you. I'm not the only one. Uh, no. we'll I'm be, like giving Isaac this big-eyed look. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I know... So we talked, um, so this isn't like surprising for anybody who's listening and followed, but you're going to go. actually swap your Clive over with some of Tasha's stuff. Uh, Tasha's Cauldron, which is... Um, an, an add-on that actually goes up and revamps the ranger class let me see if i can I, I might be able to pull up what what some of those class features were while uh okay uh right now stuff. i have 59 hp not a huge amount um so the new abilities is from level six barbarian or oh, path of the beast barbarian so he has bestial soul. So basically, one thing is like all my my tail, my claws, and my jaws or whatever count as magical weapons. Your climbing speed is equal to your walking speed. And you can you can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down or ceilings. I'll probably do that in like an interior building or something. That'd be kind of cool. 
Um, and then when you jump, you can make a strength athletics check and extend your jump by a number of feet equal to the check's total. That's plus seven a d20. So it's like whatever the feet is, I can do like max probably. Yeah, 27 feet extra. You gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed and you can breathe <laughs> underwater. All right. Wow. You kinda, That's kind of scary. You kind of pick which ones. Like, I feel like in interior <laughs> yeah. buildings and stuff, I'd probably pick climbing. And like outdoorsiness or like in the ring, I'd probably pick jumping. And then obviously if we're in an aquatic area, then... Hmm. Were you able to, were you able to find it on there, Sam? Yeah. Again, walking speed and temporary hit points and favored favored foe. Just um, basically, I get to mark a target instead of and deal extra damage instead of. So it's basically a it's basically the spell I have a ranger's mark, except it just sort of happens as opposed to the old ranger ability that I had to pick a type of creature and I would get mm -hmm. advantages towards that creature. Problem with that is. If you never run into that type of creature, then the ability is just empty. So mm -hmm. basically Tasha's Cauldron turns the ranger from the worst class in the game to about mid high tier, depending on how you uh, how you build it. Right. Because and, and then they also added new spells in for yeah. you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's some pretty good ones in there. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the kind of change them around and um, hopefully have a more have more of an impact in the battles because um, just shooting stuff gets kind of old after a while so I'm actually I, I'm here's like a normally <laughs> Nathan goes down the meta road but um, you also got some new there's some other fighting styles and the one I was thinking of was like blind fighting like just that'd be crazy if you one I think that'd just be crazy if you had that but um, <laughs> because of the favored foe, you could literally just go, it'd be kind of crazy to see you go like favored foe with a hunter's mark and then do your calling shots where you mm -hmm. snipe the head. And like, that'd be so much just damage. Yeah. And that kind of puts it on the same level as say a rogue assassin doing sneak attack. And, um, and as we move forward in the game and enemies encounters become tougher, um, I'll be able to actually match those guys instead of being way underpowered because I was, as I was reading through the original Ranger build, um, it's pretty obvious that down the road as, as you gain levels, uh, you become pretty underpowered and it would be tough to provide you guys any assistance in battle besides just healing or, you know, dealing a little bit of damage here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played a ranger before too and ran into the same issue. Like, she was consistent and steady, but didn't, like, could yeah, never it's do it. It's basically a DPR either. class. So, like, yeah. a lot of archers, as far as I know, unless they build specifically for it, there's damage per round. They're very consistent, but then, like, they're not uh, Novas, like, Nova builds in a sense of, like, something like perfect example mm -hmm. is like uh, Ray right now is like a Nova in a sense. She can burst out a huge amount, but then after that, it's kind of just a little bit below like uh higher like dpr classes this is one of the meta sets but like so like she's a nova class so she can burst yeah. out a ton of damage but then after that it's kind of just mediocre and then yeah but even even her character oh even yeah the yeah, rogue yeah. yeah they can also get out of stuff. battle then weirdly enough they're very like defensive which is whatever for <laughs> rogues 
-hmm. But uh, rugs are just busted. I'm just gonna say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, have a they lot really of variety. Are. They can play ranged, but they can also play melee. They can like they can play a lot of different things. And they yeah they, they can also add a lot to like campaigns because well like a lot of their yeah. obviously they can just yeah they have just a lot of like thieveries, sleight of hands, weird inks. I don't know. They got <laughs> they do a lot of different things. Yeah, I, that was mm -hmm. part of why it was so attractive to play a rogue. I think one of the biggest things is. Hitting this to six level, I gain a walking and swimming speed, or I gain climbing and swimming speed, which is huge considering we just got through a whole <laughs> basically water level. And um, if I had a swimming speed, that would have made that a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because normally you you even though we don't always I don't always keep these in the cuts that you that you guys are listening to, but uh, if you're newer to the game. Climbing halves your, your your speed is automatically halved when you climb or swim if you don't have the if you don't have a specific stat or ability. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, and then you gained uh, yeah. something for level six. So I gained um, the expertise, which means that I got to choose two skills to be proficient in. The proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check that you make that uses either of the chosen proficiencies. Yeah, so I just got better at some of the skills that I'm already good at, so it was exciting to have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I think one well. of the... Before I have to go, I think one of the coolest things about the new ranger from Tasha's is um, you gain access to druid spells if you decide to go that route. And mm. I've always, 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 always loved the idea of like a ranger slash druid character. Um, being in touch with nature and all that, because um, I, you know, whenever whenever I think of a ranger, I think of Drizzt, and he kind of is kind of follows in that same same kind of suit, and uh, so that that made me pretty excited when I when I got to see that. Oh yeah, he definitely does. Which there's some new content coming out following the Adventures of Drizzt Duarden. Yeah. If you don't know what that is you should definitely go and check it out. Um, you can find a lot of the books are written by R.A. Salvatore. Um, and yeah, iconic figure. But just to summarize Clive's character, he's going to be a ranger druid who can cook an amazing meal. That sounds like a pretty incredible character. That sounds like a friend you want to keep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't piss him off by burning down any tea shops or anything. It might just get burned down. Yeah, you're right. It might oh. end up on a skewer. <laughs> but <laughs> um, with that, uh, Sam, I know that you got to run, and this seems like a good place for us to wrap it up. So, guys, thank you for joining us. This is a little bit more of a mellower Q and A, uh, and we hope that you enjoyed again that lore segment. And with that, we will see you next month. And yeah, yeah. Till see then. you later, spacers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.